I love what you have on your landing page on Articulate Moves. It says, you deserve to feel good. Despite your pain, diagnosis, or current limitations, you have the potential to feel full of life. I'm committed to helping you release the burden of low expectations, discover your inner resources, and learn how to feel good in your body. Nobody can take your spark from you. You think it's gone, you can get it back. Yes. I love that. It's just so beautiful. It's straight from your heart. It's really, and we all do want to feel, we want to feel better. Yes. And like you, I just feel like people just need a support and belief for them. You know, we hold that space of belief for them when they might be low on it. But anything can be improved. Anything. So we are so excited to be here with our dear friend and colleague, Linda Natanagara. I am thrilled to be here. And thank you so much for having me. I've been waiting to hear about this for years now. Not that I couldn't have asked you or researched it on my own, but I'm excited to hear about all of this. So I understand that Feldenkrais, because it's, it's an odd word, name, mm-hmm. it, it's because it's a name. It's, it's a, a person's name, right? Yeah. <laughs> and he, and it's, a, it's a male person. He, did, he started this whole process thing. So I, I'm curious about who he is and how oh this God. all this story. There's a book by Dr. Norman Doidge called The Brain's Way of Healing. It was the New York Times bestseller, and it was on the bestseller list for, it might even still be somewhere on the New York Times bestseller list. And he does a beautiful biography of Dr. Feldenkrais that he got from somebody else. But it really, when I read that, I was like, you cannot make this stuff up. How could this have been someone's life? So he, um, at 13 or 14, he was escaping the persecution in the Ukraine and he walked on foot to Palestine. Really? Yes. And in doing so, he really had to learn to protect himself. I believe that he led a group of other younger people and it was apparently quite a journey that he took. And in doing so, he developed a lot of ideas about self-reliance and safety and self-protection. So he became a a judo master and he was the first European to be given a black belt in judo by the judo federation in Japan. Jeez. And he was invited to start a judo school in Paris because he was working with the Curies on nuclear radiation research, et cetera, et cetera. Wow. I mean, the synthesis of brilliance between what he learned and the ideas that he gained in his travels, his martial art training, as well as his scientific ability and his scientific, his mind that was able to put the scientific method to work for him was just made everything ready to pop by the time that he had a knee injury. He had it for a long time. It resurfaced in the forties. He'd had it way prior It was so bad that they wanted to operate. They didn't think they could fix it. And they said, well, we'll just amputate your leg if we get in there and we can't do anything about it. That would solve the problem. Yeah. (laughs) So he was very contrary. And so, and so begins Dr. Feldenkrais's divergence from traditional medical thinking. And he decided that he was going to fix this himself. He was going to figure this out. Was he a medical doctor? 
No. No. Dr. Feldenkrais, he was a, a physics. Oh, okay. Physics. Got it. Um, so he noticed that when he felt bad and was stressed, his knee hurt a lot worse. So for a lot, lot of people back then, that was in itself was a pretty big realization. People didn't always connect those two things. But he then, he's like, it's the same injury. I just feel bad, like I'm having a stressful day. So why does it make my injury feel worse? I'm going to apply my scientific method to figuring this out. And so he began to realize that when he felt bad, he contracted and held himself in certain ways that he didn't know he was doing until he really started to pay attention to it. And so not only did he realize that it was, he was compressing and contracting, so he was interfering with the movement that traveled down to his knee, but it was a reliable pattern. It wasn't just random. It was a way that he always held himself. And he's like, well, if this is true for me, like we're skipping over some time here in the development of these ideas, but if this is true for me, I bet you it's true for other people. And he developed hundreds of lessons examining, giving us the opportunity to discover how we hold our own history in our body. Because early on in life, just living in, in a society, you're told to sit up straight, put your feet on the ground. Do that. So there's that. And then there's our protection against real and perceived threat. So another one of his, I don't think it's such a radical idea, is that as organisms, we need safety and survival. And as humans, we need choice. So in creating this body of work, he was able to create a body of work where the nervous system could become very, very quiet and people could begin to discover their own ways that they carry their own history in their bodies. And it's slightly different for everyone. You know, like we've, we didn't never put a template on top of somebody and he got reliable results. People got better. People were able to take care of their own. I mean, there's still, you know, you might still need help, but people really took charge of their own care and their own movement and their own well-being and their own pain. And then he started teaching his first generations of teachers how to, to bring this and share this work with other people. So that is how it started. So it's about being able to let go of your history. You become so self-aware of your own movement. I love what you just said about the template. You yeah. don't put templates on people. And I think that's why you we're attracted as practitioners, you know, in the field of supporting people feel better. I mean, that's all of our goals, right? Is to help yeah. people feel better. And when yeah. we've got any kind of dis-ease in our body, in our mind, in our soul, we just, we want to, we want to figure out how to release that. And no two people are the same. And I think that our society wants to cookie cutter us and yeah. make us put us all into a template. And that's why, uh, we as health coaches and you as a Feldenkrais practitioner, why people seek us out is that mm -hmm. other modalities in our common world just haven't supported them in their healing process yeah. as well as they would have hoped. And so this, this really, this has been around for a really long time. It, this is not new alternative. No. <laughs> this is like, a, yeah, well, it's like 70 years old, right? 
Yes. Yeah. I think the issue is that there aren't a lot of practitioners and it does, you know, you have lots of practitioners in bigger cities and doctors referring to practitioners in bigger metropolitan areas, but you go outside of that and, you know, I'm one person speaking a language that is really opposite of what people have been told. And, and then they go to their doctors and they ask about it and the doctors never heard of it. So really the people who find me are desperate for something different. A lot of people do okay with traditional methods. It's fine. But the people who finally come to me, like they are ready. They know that there's something else out there. They haven't found out what it is, but they're tired of being on this, this hamster wheel of things that don't work for them. Yeah. So that's how, did you have a question about how it works? People have people on the edge of their seats. Before that, I want to know how you found out about it. Oh, okay. (laughs) So I was, well, I was a dancer and that, that's, you know, I got burnt out. I realized like 21 that I was totally burnt out. Wow. And so I became a massage therapist because it was a quicker way to make money than going through PT school because I'd already been to college. And I would work on people and I would see them take these positions on the table. And even if they released their shoulders during the massage, I would observe this thing start to come back into their body. And I would say, did you know that that just happened? Like they didn't even know they were doing it. Their brain, that was just how their brain held them. And then they would stand up. And like, I would watch them sink back into their heels or their shoulders come up around their ears. And I didn't know what that was, but I knew that it was something else at another level below what I was trained to care for as a massage therapist. And I'd heard about this Feldenkrais thing. I didn't really know what it was. And then I was very fortunate that a training opened up in New York because there had been no trainings around here. And the other Feldenkrais practitioner in Monmouth County encouraged me to go. And so um, it's a long training. You commit to three and a half or four years Mm. to do something that no one's ever heard of. (laughs) So, you know, I fell in love with it and I was like, this is so awesome. Everybody is going to want to do this. There were many times I really, truly contemplated going and and getting a job, like happy to just have a job where I didn't feel that I was speaking to the wind. And, um, but, you know, research came around, the healing community grew in this area, and these ideas are no longer as foreign as they once were. So it's interesting that you had, when you were considering after dancing, that you didn't want to go to PT school because you didn't want to take the extra time, but then you ended up, <laughs> because, because this truly spoke to you. You It obviously hit you in such a deep level and you're meant to do it, obviously. Yes. Yes. And I wake up every day and I'm excited about it. And, and so if I ever talk about like things that happen with my clients, it's not, it is truly the 10,000 hours, that idea of I have just worked and worked because I love it so much. And I believe that it is, it is true that people can become their own best 
self-advocate and know themselves in a way that a sheet of exercises is not going to do for them. Right. It's a much richer, deeper way of being in your body. You know, this idea of being in our body is quite foreign, I think, to a lot of people. We walk around kind of detached. We walk around in this space where we're trying to show up in a certain way in public and that sort of thing. And I think we we just have become so detached. And so this idea of things being trapped in our body, I think for our yeah. listeners, for, for so many people, is kind of a... It's a new and different idea when it gets trapped in our body. How mm-hmm. is it different? How is what you're doing different or a complement to therapy, for example, and actually getting it out of your body in therapy, you know, in a traditional psychotherapy wow. way versus the physical, you know, do people have both of these modalities going on at the same time or? Oh, I think. Absolutely having a palette of self-care and healing, you know, a color palette. I love that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I love Feldenkrais because it's not like if a person has had a lot of history that's trapped in their body, either emotional trauma or physical injury, Feldenkrais only goes into the degree that, that I'm allowed to go in. You know, I'm, I'm never so things that happen and they're so safe. It's very supportive, like literally with my hands, feeling how people, where they hold their tension and supporting it so they can let go of it. And at the same time, I consider it a secular practice where I don't, of course I talk to my clients about things, but really I encourage people to go and find the other things that will support their healing and their growth um, in terms of, eating the right food and being intuitive about what works for you or finding the right person to talk to. I think these ideas are in many different modalities. And so just finding your team. Yep. Yeah. Who are the folks that come to you most often? So when our listeners are hearing about Feldenkrais and, you know, you know, am I a candidate to go visit Linda and get some help? Yeah. So for years, I was, again, so enamored with this work. I I taught a ton of public workshops and we're going to lie on the floor. I'm going to teach you some Feldenkrais lessons. And it was so foreign to people, like they could not believe that by doing so little, they could make change. Mm. So I decided to only work with private people because I could I could make sure that they understood and could give them a practice for their own. So I don't teach to masses and the people who come to me again are the people who they're still Googling. Like they know there's something better. They don't know what it is. Maybe they, um, people moving down from the city now, sometimes people went to class in the city. So now they seek me out, but it tends to be people with, conditions that have been dumped back on them. So this gets me a little bit, when people don't get better in the traditional, you know, in a PT practice, going to PT three days a week, fine. I mean, that helps plenty of people, but for the people it doesn't, then the 
traditional approaches tend to come up with a list of how you're insufficient. So you're too tight. You, um, you're not strong. Your ankles are stiff. You have arthritis, just all these ways that that's why you're, oh, you're getting older. All these ways that you're not going to get better because you're not getting better because it's something to do with you. And so people just struggle and struggle and struggle trying to do what they're told, but the model I'm going to like, you know, I've sat in my office for a long time because I don't want to ruffle feathers, but that model for many people is a faulty model. Mm. And when you give people the opportunity to calm their nervous systems, begin to pay attention to how they move and also develop a sound biomechanical education, because there are a lot of things that are said in the fitness and rehab injury that again are a one size fits all but really not for certain individuals. And so it's the education, it's the quieting of the nervous system and committing to develop, to committing to your own practice. So now I also only work with people. I'm not trying to like get everybody to come to my office. Like I only work with people who really are going to commit to having a practice. Yeah. And I, I meet with them first and I talk with them. So they know it's not a surprise <laughs> Um, because like eating, it's not like, oh, someone just eats well for a day and then they're better. Right. They have to change how they eat. So yeah. it's like that. You you really have to change how you move to come out of this chronic pain, the ways that you create your own injury by compression and contraction. I think that rewiring of the brain to unloop, I've heard you speak several times and oh, right. so, so impressed with the way you describe the whole process and hold hold sacred wherever people are and don't try to say you're broken. I'm not going to fix you. It's just this whole process of, you know, unlinking the loops that you've taught that we have in our body. And it's such a beautiful, it's such a beautiful practice for people. And it's so liberating to think that we have such agency. 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 Yeah. We have such agency. We do. And it's right there for everyone. People just don't know how to get to it because there are big practices of the way this, the industry is structured. People are just yelling at their nervous system all the time rather than like listening. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, some people, some people will say, well, can I get better with meditation? But you really have to move. Like to change a movement loop, you you really have to move. We're going to take a pause for a moment just to tell you about something we think you might be interested in. So many of us aren't feeling real great, even though we believe we're making really healthy choices. Yeah, true. Maybe, you know, maybe it's we've got restless sleep or our workouts just don't they feel harder than usual and maybe you're gaining weight you never had before, or you're just having such a hard time losing those extra pounds, no matter what. Yep. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Especially (laughs) right now, right. In these really unsettling times, we need our body to be the best to handle all that's going on. No kidding. And we, most people know if your gut is out of balance, it's not, it's not just the stomach ache. We know that it affects our immune response and it changes how we feel, how we sleep, um, how we recover. And 
how we're responding to all this stress that's going on and, and how much energy you have. A lot of people are feeling really low on energy and they're not really sure why. And maybe it's the cravings that you have. Like all of a sudden you're craving things that you never yeah. craved before. And, right. you know, so this is why we connected with this company called Excella. Yeah, and there are so many companies out there vying for the public's attention. And because of this, we as Nourish Coaches, we just are super selective in our endorsement of products and who we partner with. It rarely happens, actually. And when we realized Excella's philosophy really aligns with our foundations, and just like us, Excella doesn't believe in a one-size-fits-all approach, we feel like it's a really good partnership. Yeah, we're really excited about it. And it's easy because it's just this little simple finger prick with a little blood test that you do right at home. And when you get your results a couple weeks later, you get scores and they give you guidance, like long, lots and lots and lots of guidance on how to improve your gut environment. It's all very personalized and they recommend which foods to include, which supplements they that you could take, mindful activities, exercises that are specifically selected for you. Like there's, it's all about your unique body. It's funny because we took this test, both of us, yeah. <laughs> and we got surprising results. We were both very surprised. Yes. And it really changed. It made us shift both of our behaviors. We both made some significant changes in how mm-hmm. we're going about eating and supplementing and doing some mindful things and exercises. So we really believe in the science behind this tool. And we think that combined with the science with our personalized coaching approach, it makes an ideal next step for people who really want to feel their best. We're really looking forward to sharing this with you. So if you're curious about Excella and want to know more, yeah. check us out at yeah. nourishcoaches.com. So many studies now are showing that there is not a correlation between a condition that you might have that might show up in a medical image and pain. Pain is a protective loop that your brain creates. I mean, if you have a broken arm, that's different, but like disc injuries, um, certain foot things or neck problems. So you have this loop that your brain creates that dampens the movement. And when the injury gets better, the loop is still dampened. You have to specifically this is like my movement nerd nerd stuff coming out. You have to specifically have a practice to plug your brain back into your body movement. And as we get older and we sit less and we become to believe this is just because I'm aging, we accept that. So rehearsing loops that are faulty already just maintains the environment for injury. Mm-hmm. And I wish that I could work with everyone or if people, if it changes a little bit and people become more open to the the way a Feldenkrais class is, because it doesn't resemble anything they've ever been told. Um, I think, you know, I would love to see many people coming to these discoveries for themselves. But right now it's one person at a time. Yep. I mean, you know, in my practice. Right, right, right. So, so I'd love for you to take us through how it works, like, like we were holding you back before (laughs) and telling us in any way, however, however that works, whether you take us through an example or how, whatever, whichever way you want to explain it to us. Okay. So sometimes people say, well, how, how does this, if I come to you, what's going to happen? Right. So 
we'll skip all the part where we talk and we see that we're on the same page with um, making a commitment. So I look at how a person moves. I, I first observe a lot. Then I touch a lot. And it's not a Feldenkrais touch is very different. It's an, it's completely, it is completely non-invasive. And there's, when you quiet your nervous system to listen, the way when somebody listens, whispers and you move in, that's kind of the thing with the hands, like a lot of movement patterns and energy I can feel. So then I get a sense of how the person is, how they hold themselves. And then they come, usually they come to lie down and I help, I begin to very quietly quiet their nervous system. And the more someone does this, the quicker they go into this kind of twilight where their nervous system lets go a little bit of all this holding or some of it. And I can gently direct their attention here and there. And I work according to a a functional pattern. So this is kind of getting into the nitty gritty. I don't want to make people's eyes glaze over, but it's not random. I choose something that I notice in their movement and I work around either twisting, turning, flexion or extension. And they go into this twilight and they begin to notice things. And then I offer one of the ways that we work is by introducing novelty. So when people let go of their patterns a little bit, and you introduce, you break up patterns like eyes and hands or eyes and head moving opposite, the brain like the brain starts to really pay attention. And then the person can notice more things of how they're holding themselves. They can let go of even more. And then I start, a person and I will start to do more movement. And it gets to be pretty specific for them to notice how they move, what they hold on to, how they can let go of things. And then I translate that as they come to standing to develop practices for their own awareness and to let go of these, just how they hold themselves. To, so because, so you're living more, you're like really present in the moment, not present in all of the history that you lived for the last 40 or 50 years. So I want that distinction. I think that distinction is so important when we're trying to move forward. It's not, it's not really about, it's not about the old stuff. It's really about what's present and how you want to show up as you move forward. Exactly. And so that's why it's really popular in a lot of theater programs because you're, you're peeling away what's you down to the, nervous system being really present in the moment without your input. You know what I mean? Like you're, I hate to overuse this word authentic, but you're really becoming like who you authentically are in your body without the limiting beliefs. I think we all ultimately want that, right? But perhaps we're even have a, have a fear. We don't know what that looks like, you know? And I, Yes, and I think that's why Feldenkrais, because it doesn't proceed at a rate that you cannot manage. Yeah. Yeah. It it really happens, and I tell people this, that you don't wake up the next day and you're like, I'm done. <laughs> you're like, I just walked for two hours and my shoulder doesn't hurt. You know, like little by little, you start to reenter your life right. in ways that had been problematic for you. 
There is nothing better than giving somebody back the ability to be present in their life without pain. Beautiful. Well, I just love it. I love it. And it's always fascinating. There's a million different ways to apply these ideas and these strategies. I mean, I just gave you one little example, but it is so much fun. (laughs) It really is so much fun. I imagine too, like us, is your ultimate goal with clients is to work with them until they don't need us anymore. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Which, right. right. Financially isn't great for us, but that's our goal is to make the world a healthier place. And yes. to get people to understand that, yes, this is a practice that when you learn to be aware, when you learn to have habits that are healthier to, to support yourself so that you don't need right. us to help right. you anymore. And right. that's, I mean, that's our ultimate goal. Yeah. And I'm sure, like, I love that you said that, that you are always there to support them, but um, giving them their own strategies to make their own decisions. I remember um, I was on a call that you guys did with other clients and just this thought of bringing people to be able to listen and trust themselves. That's another thing that people Mm -hmm. tell me they don't trust their bodies anymore because they're not... They weren't taught to. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So giving people this practice for wellness and to trust themselves and to trust their own decisions, I'm sure, um, to do the right thing for themselves. Yeah, that is. And I figure there's so many people who need us. So when (laughs) there's just a big role, you know, some people graduate and then the next people. That's right. Yes. Unfortunately, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we can imagine a world where everybody is so aware and so, you know, but that's not going to happen in our lifetime. (laughs) Yeah, so that is my goal. So, and I really work with giving people strategies, you know, things to do before they get out of bed. And it's specific to them. It's not like, here's your exercises, go do these before you get out of bed. It is really, and um, helping them have the courage to say no to therapies that hurt them. Mm. and to say no to fitness practices that hurt them being in charge of themselves. Yeah. I have a list of about 20 people in my mind that I'm going to refer to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, you know, I would love to, um, if people can lie on the floor comfortably. That's, that's one thing. Like I would love to get a class, a public class going again. But it really is where it's people's minds need to be a little bit more open that there's more to wellness than yanking at their leg to make their hamstring longer yeah. and um, and just walking around compressing their abdominals. Like there, it is so much bigger and more beautiful and so much more fun <laughs> than treating, you know, treating our body like a machine. I kind of hung around at a Feldenkrais training after my own. I just participated as a body in the room to be someone people could ask questions. And 40% of that training, we were physical therapists. Because I think that some of them realize that they're in a, um, a body as a machine. Yeah. Kind of approach. And having this really valuable magic. And brain trickery on how to get people to pay attention and notice themselves. It's another set of skills entirely. So it's great to see that even if, um, that 
physical therapists are taking this, making this commitment yeah. and um, undertaking the expense on their own. Right. Yeah. I imagine, I imagine a good portion of those people were also massage therapists. Yes. Yes. And uh, in, in any Feldenkrais training, it's like massage therapists, physical therapists, you get some dancers and some theater people and then other interesting people. It's a very, very eclectic mix of people drawn to a Feldenkrais training. Yeah, that's so interesting yeah. to me. You know, especially the theater, the theater piece. And you're, you just made me think, I imagine, because when you're in theater or acting, you have to be so self-aware of your your movement, your body. The, yeah. You're communicating with your audience. Right. And especially if you don't always have a speaking part or if you're singing or you're doing something where you can't communicate. Yes. It's, there's so much in the body. And I guess, you know, and directors are telling people to move this way or move that way or do this, do that. So that's a, such an interesting yes. thing. It, yeah. I love that. And right. It's so the ability to let go of your stuff and take on yeah. like that takes a lot. I don't know how they do it. Like, yeah. You know, the walks or the carriage and the, you know, having in the crown. Um <laughs> So that that is definitely part of um yeah, being authentic and being able to go in and out of different people as a as a theater person. I'm wondering too, and again, this doesn't have to this is a, a very personal question. Mm-hmm. Do you work with people with cancer and is there so, something something in that? I do not know, having received so much touch in my life from other practitioners and you know, I love a great massage. All these things are wonderful. The skilled touch or the touch of a skilled Feldenkrais practitioner is so supportive in a way that the person doesn't even realize that they are receiving it, but it sets their nervous system to this level of ease, evenness. And so being able to create that kind of ease in a body. I have not worked with cancer patients. I work with someone with ALS. I've worked with people with MS, but I think it is a really supportive, profound experience for people. It's, it's, I started working with a young girl recently with just, it's a comp, it's a complex situation. And I was so surprised that she told her mother, this feels right. I don't know why but this feels like right for me. And I was would not have expected her to say that. Um, but people know it. When you meet their nervous system, where their nervous system is and support them, your whole body knows it. Yeah. So That's a, beautiful. That's really yeah. a gift, Linda. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's really- um, and again, I, it has been just, I love it so much that I have just devoted myself to becoming as, as good as I can be. Mm-hmm. To, to support my clients. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think that's the best practitioners are people who are in love with their practice. Yeah. And who want their clients to leave them just mm-hmm. like you <laughs> who love their clients and then want, want right. them to live their lives and do all the things that they love. Oh, and that is one more point is that because these, the practice is so different, you know, it's like these small movements and you're really paying attention. Some of the lessons are quite athletic, but when you start, you have to develop the skill to pay attention. Um, it's never 
it's so you can go out and do these vigorous things. It's not to replace the things that you love with lying on the floor, which is a reputation that Feldenkrais incorrectly sometimes gets. Ah, But it's to make your activities more intelligent for you and safer and more pleasurable. So we don't have to tell people to give up their lifting or running or yoga or anything like that. I will never tell someone to stop. I may suggest other ways to do it if they're having injuries, but never, never. I'm glad you clarified that too, because I think there could be some people who are so dedicated to their identity as an athlete or as a certain kind of person showing up in the world that they would Uh be, they would have a hard time thinking they'd have to lose that. But what you're really just saying is you have to lose that loop, not the, not enter what you're passionate about. Yes. Yes. And I mean, sometimes if you're really injured, you might you might reconsider for a little while while you're figuring this out. Like it's, it's a road. It's like this, but definitely the more movement, the better. Like just people, I love that you have in your, uh, in our five foundations, number three. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Absolutely. Right. Although, you know, this, and we love how, we love how the, our five foundations are not isolated in and of themselves. They all Mm -hmm have little tentacles that reach out to the other foundations, just like Feldenkrais is not just about movement. It's about mindfulness and movement, but it also goes into being, you know, having wellness practices that go into making sure you're taking care of yourself. Yeah. And I think people become really tuned into how they feel. And I think in relation to food, like they will become very aware that this does or doesn't, yeah. They're just heightened. Like their nervous yes. system is heightened to notice their different phases. Yes. And um beautiful. So, well yeah. I love your I love the work that you do. And so thank you for including me in it. Yeah, thank you. So where can we find you? Where can our listeners find you and how do they get in touch? Um my website is articulatemoves.com or Facebook is articulatemoves.feldenkrais. And my phone number is 848-218-0233. And my email is lynda.gcfp at gmail.com. So I am happy. And even I love this work so much. If I can answer questions, just if someone's curious, you know, I'm not trying to um, never, you people never have to worry that I'm going to try and, you know, sell them because I just want people to have good information and make decisions that are best for them. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. We'll put all of your, your links in our show notes. So people don't have to be writing them down right now and (laughs) or trying to spell Feldenkrais. (laughs) I mean, people think it's religious sometimes. And yes. So no, that was his name. Right, right. There's, always, there's been talk about uh, changing the names. Like, no, you can't change the name. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank Definitely. you so much for coming on and sharing your story and sharing all that you do. And we hope that this can get out to a couple of people who feel like they're in pain and don't know what else to do. And really, if yeah. they're suffering, they can come to you and, and see if there's a fit. There is hope. There is always hope. Okay. Thank you so much, guys. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening. Keep the conversation going at nourishcoaches.com.
And stay tuned for more Nourish Noshes as we continue our quest to make the world a healthier place. 